0: If you will, please turn in your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 1. Ephesians chapter 1. Uh, you can find our passage, I believe, on page 976. In the Bible's below the seats in front of you. Ephesians chapter 1 is where we will be camped out this morning. Um, we have just finished a series through the Psalms of Ascent. It is... By far my preference to just be in a long section of scripture, typically a book, and just be walking passage by passage through it. Um, And so when we get out of that, uh, uh, I always feel a little bit insecure, not sure what to do. Uh, We're going to be going to the book of Acts um, as our next large series, Um, uh, but that may be at the first of the year. And so in between our series through um, uh, Psalms of Ascent and then Acts, we're going to do two smaller series, uh, two four-sermon series, Lord willing. Who knows? It may change. Um, but uh, we'll do uh, the, the good news of Exodus, so we'll go through the whole book of Exodus in four sermons, um, and that'll be coming up, and, and, and now we're starting... Uh, a four sermon series on the truths of Ephesians. So last Sunday night, we gathered uh, for a backyard barbecue, and Lord has graciously given me the book of Ephesians. So um, I shared on, on Sunday night the, the things that I had not seen in Ephesians until I memorized Ephesians. And so today is kind of, a, in the next few weeks, is kind of an outpouring of that. These are four truths that I saw as I've been studying Ephesians, that I think will be useful for We won't be covering the whole book. We'll just be picking up on certain truths. We'll, we'll think through blessing, first of all. We'll think through strength. That will be next week. We'll think through holiness. And we'll think through relationships. These are four of the big truths that I kind of take away from Ephesians and, and trust that the Lord will, will use this to encourage us um, each Sunday morning. But let us go to the Lord and ask him for his grace to help us to hear his word this morning. Oh God, <coughs> you say he who has ears to hear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. And Lord, as we open up the book of Ephesians, we think about what Lord Jesus, you said to that church that that's That they were to return to their first love. And we pray that, that you would use the book of Ephesians over the next four weeks to give us love. Give us love for Christ. Give us love for you that we might eat at the tree of life in the paradise of God. Oh God, give us ears that we might hear. Give me words from you. Holy Spirit, we're asking that you would fall upon us now and we ask this in Jesus name. Amen. If you will please stand with me as we read the passage we will be looking at this morning which is Ephesians chapter 1 verses 3 through 14. Ephesians 1 verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us in Christ When you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation and believed in him were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit. Who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of his glory. Amen. You may be seated. Everybody wants to go to heaven. Nobody wants to die. That is an old saying. Everybody wants to go to heaven. Nobody wants to die. And So I have shared from time to time, you've heard me say these these things about one view of revivals that seems to ignore that truth well, of course, you can get them to raise their hand to want to go to heaven. The question is can you get them to raise their hand that they want to die? And more than physical death, a spiritual death in salvation is absolutely needed. Jesus, I, my cross, have taken. Dietrich Bonhoeffer said, when Christ bids a man come, He bids him come and die to put a cross on your back and have that old you crucified with Christ. so You may be raised to walk a new life and the life that you live, you live in Him. Everybody wants to go to heaven. Nobody really wants to die to self. And so, I do want us to hear over and over again what Jesus says when, he's, when He says, before you become a disciple, you better count the cost. There is a great cost to following the Lord Jesus. It is nothing short of that old you dying so that a new you can be made after the likeness of God, but what I also need to say beyond that phrase count the cost is count the blessings. I do want to encourage us and as I open up the book of Ephesians, this glorious book, which has been called the 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 Book of Romans in miniature. This glorious book opens up with a counting of blessings. Yes, let let us make sure in our evangelism and let us make sure in our discipleship that we remember that when we're calling someone to follow Christ, we need them to count the cost before they... Our disciples, but while they are disciples, they need to know what Paul seems to think we all need to know, how blessed it is to be a follower of Jesus Christ. Count your blessings one by one. Psalm 134, our last psalm in the psalm of sense, it was focused on this, wasn't it? It was blessing, blessing, blessing. Bless the Lord. the the psalmist called us to do. Because He blesses you, he said in Psalm 134. And that's what Paul says. The Gospel truth of this sermon is all who trust in Christ have all His blessings. What I'm seeing from these verses is this truth all who trust in Christ, have all of His blessings. You should not be thinking about so-and-so has this blessing, so-and-so has this blessing. I don't have these blessings. No. Paul begins by blessing God for all of the blessings that he gives to all of the followers of Christ. Christianity should never be a ho hum religion it should never we should never be a down in the mouth miserable kind of people we are carrying a cross and there are things about that that are not delightful but we have much to rejoice about it is not easy to follow christ a cross is not light but with him with that cross comes riches of grace, glorious grace, Paul says. And so as we try to cure our hearts from comparing what blessings are present in our life versus what are present in other people's lives, as we try to cure our temptations from being discontent with what God has given to us, as we acknowledge the serpent is still hissing in our own ears, As if God has been stingy with us, let us walk through the glorious riches that God has bestowed upon all who are in Christ, His Son. Point number one, we are chosen for holiness. Point number one comes from verse four. It is the first blessing that Paul praises God, the Father of Jesus Christ, for that we are chosen the moment your heart starts to get discontent with what you think is a lack of blessings, you come back to Ephesians chapter 1 and and believe, Paul, that every blessing in Christ is yours. And the first one is that you're chosen. And the explanation of being chosen is is given to us in two winds. one what and one where. Two wins. One what and one where. Win number one. You were chosen before the foundation of the world, Christian. To receive all the blessings in Christ. Before you had done anything. Before you were born. Before Adam and Eve were made. You. You were singled out and chosen for blessing. What blessing? To be holy and blameless. That is the blessing. To be holy and blameless. I wonder if you give much thought to just how attractive and how blessed holiness is. I wonder if that, if you hear that you were chosen before the foundation of the world, as you're experiencing things that you would not have chosen for yourself in your life, experiencing those things and hear that you were chosen before the foundation of the world to be holy and blameless. I wonder if that blessing overcomes all the the circumstances in your life that you are discouraged by. Have you ever thought about how attractive holiness is? How repulsive unholiness is. How unattractive Cain was in his selfishness. How unattractive people are who are obsessed with power and use it to hurt others, to build themselves up. And then on the flip side, how beautiful. Holiness is. It's timely for us to think about this as we consider how different Daphne's joy was. Heard it from so many people. How they saw something alien in Daphne. Something other than what is natural and normal. When they saw Daphne's joy. When they saw her calm in the face of cancer and death. How attractive she was. How attractive she made Christianity. It was because she was set apart, because she was distinguishable, holy, that she seemed so attractive. Because the opposite is so common. Fussiness. You know, in all... When all your hope is in this world and this world goes wrong, your world is crumbling. Grumbling about circumstances, so common, and things that are much more pleasant than cancer can make us grumble. Even people who don't worship Jesus are attracted to his way of life. You can, you can hear atheists, people of other religions, hold up Jesus and his compassion and his kindness as an example that they would like even to imitate because holiness actually is lovely. There's no denying this, it's, it's beautiful. And God has chosen you, Christian, to be that. He has chosen you before the foundation of the world, not because you were holy and blameless before the foundation of the world, not because you became holy and blameless by your own strength, but rather He has another win, a future where this will be fully realized. It is when we are before Him to be holy and blameless before Him when we're presented to Him Him and are face to face with Him and His eyes, not the eyes of man, who might approve all kinds of things that are unholy, who in fact, if you are comparing yourself to other men or you're wondering if you're going to seem blameless to other men, no, they will blame the people who are holy because they hate holiness. But in the eyes of God Almighty, who is holy, we will be presented to Him and be blameless like Him. I hope that hits your heart with praise that in Christ, we receive the Father's blessing of becoming what we are not, which is blameless. In Christ, you see, with each of these blessings, it just keeps saying in Christ, we have this in Christ, we have this in chapter two. It makes clear it is through our faith in him. You can even look in chapter one, verse 15, for this reason, because I have heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus. Verse 16, I do not cease to give thanks for you. When I hear that you believe in Jesus, I thank God the Father for that blessing because I know your faith in Jesus came from Him and not you. And He gives you this blessing to believe in His Son. And when you believe in His Son, you start becoming blameless and holy. A new creation created after His likeness. An increasing holiness. All who trust in Christ have all of His blessings. This is, I'm sure you would not turn away the Powerball ticket. I'm sure if someone handed you a lottery ticket worth millions, you would not turn that away or despise it. Blessing number one is that because of Christ, we become just like the one that we adore. And there's so much in the book of Ephesians about becoming holy that that will be, I believe, our third sermon out of four. We'll talk about all that it says about becoming holy and that great blessing. Blessing number two that Paul lists is in verses five and six. He says, you are not just chosen to be holy, you are also predestined for Adoption. There is no denying how big a God we find in Ephesians chapter 1. The first blessing that he chose us for holiness. The second blessing that he predestined us for adoption. In other words, we're meeting a God who is God. He is the kind who makes all the choices. It's the kind who holds all the destinies. And for Christians, there is the blessed destiny of being adopted. When Kelly and I first got married, um, we were interested in getting a puppy. I had grown up with cocker spaniels, so I was a cocker spaniel kind of guy. Um, I'm realizing as I say that how feminine that sounds. Um, uh, Remind you, I was raised by my mother, and that was it. And so we had heard about this, this breeder um, in North Texas who uh, uh, would, would even breed miniature Cocker Spaniels. The only thing better than a Cocker Spaniel is a little bitty one. So we wanted a little bitty Cocker Spaniel. And we heard that there's this precious little black puppy who we were already naming, Mia. Uh, we thought that was cute. Uh, so we were on our way from Houston, driving up to North Texas to pick up Mia, we had heard all the stories, how sweet she was. She was the smallest. That was wonderful. And uh, we learned upon arrival when we met Mia that good breeders are also good liars. She was not sweet in any way. This little nasty creature, (laughs) I mean, like immediately starts chewing on me. uh, Had just a terrible temper, a little, little one. But then Wally Bear. Wally Bear. Steve Walter is his Christian name that we gave him. Uh, But uh, Wally Bear, this little brown uh, cocker spaniel, came up to us, sat in my lap. So sweet, so loving. He was adorable. Some of you met Wally Bear. I know David did. He had these long eyelashes. He was just a beautiful dog. Um, When we met these dogs, when we got to know these dogs, our dream of her... Turned to a nightmare. But we fell in love with Wally. In love, the father predestined Christians for adoption. And I don't want you to misunderstand. This is not like we predestined Mia. We predestined Mia this little cocker spaniel, for adoption as a bishop. And we did that based on misinformation of that lion breeder who said she was so awesome. I learned if you're trying to sell something that no one else will buy, you have to... It wasn't based on misinformation that you were predestined. It wasn't being sold a bill of goods. It wasn't that he did not know all the facts whenever he predestined you for adoption. And you also have to know that it was also not like us adopting Wally, which was. Not based on misinformation, it was based on the potential that we saw in him. We actually got to meet him. We actually, in those few moments together, got to spend some time and saw all his potential of what kind of dog he would be and that he would be a better dog than Mia for our family. That is not the kind of adoption that has happened for you, Christian. That's not the basis upon which he predestined based on misinformation or on your potential. In fact, he goes on in chapter two to speak of all the potential you had, all the information he had on you, all that he looked into the future and saw in you is in chapter two, verses one through three. You were following his enemy. You were his enemy. You were later in chapter 2, a Gentile, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel. You are separated from the promises of the covenants. You had no hope because you were an enemy. He also says, as he looks at all of your potential, your potential, my potential, that not only were you following Satan, that might be misunderstood as we are merely victims and slaves. We were more than that, it says in chapter two, verse three, that we were carrying out the desires of our bodies and our minds. We were willingly following his enemy. We were willingly denying what he wanted. We were desiring what he hated. This is a predestining to adoption with all the information of all your potential. And then in chapter two, verse four, he says, but God, that's why the word but is there, because it just does not make logical sense. We would expect him to do the opposite of what he did. You think of yourself if you're not careful as Wally. something lovely. There was nothing lovely. There was only His loveliness set upon us in love. He predestined us. He chose to love the unlovely. God, because He is rich in mercy, because of the great love with which He loved us, made us alive together with Christ. Most of us are Familiar with the habit of hiding. I'm not a proponent of. Just. Airing all our dirty laundry to everyone. We don't want everyone to know our deepest sins. We don't want to. We are commanded to confess. But we don't want For others to know what we really are thinking about. We don't want people to know how we really feel whenever we're smiling at somebody or giving a compliment to somebody. How ugly our jealousies may be raging at that moment. How petty our comparisons are in comparing other people's situation and why can't people think this of We don't want people to know just how depraved our desires are. We don't want it all out there in the know. He knew. He knew all that you would do. He knew all that you would say. He knew all that you would become. He knew all the details under the generalities of chapter 2, verses 1 through 3, for you. You put your name in there, and there are real desires that you were carrying out that were wicked and sinful and wanted to be hid in darkness. He brought light to it. He saw it all, and He still sent His Son to pay for your adoption. He sent his son. His son willingly came to give you his inheritance, to be brought into his family. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. It's our Lord Jesus Christ's Father. But right before that, in chapter 2, or chapter 1, verse 2, grace to you and peace from God, our Father. He's our Father. We are in his family, and there is no annulling in this adoption. There is no waking up from what, you, what mistake you made when you're brought into His family. He does not wake up and realize that we are a Mia and He doesn't want a Mia. If He sent His Son while you were a sinner, He shows His love for us in that while we were yet sinners. Knowing the fullness of your sin, Spending the enormous cost to fulfill that destiny that He had planned for you. Don't you know that your nasty temper will not disqualify you then? Don't you know that if He loved you in that way while He knew it all and then Christ died for you, don't you know that He will keep loving you and He will love the sin right out of you? And he will discipline lovingly within that home. All who trust in Christ have all his blessings, including being fully known, all of it, and loved and safe inside his family. Blessing number three comes in verse seven. Blessing number three, we have them all. We are redeemed through blood. You might wonder, how can this be? How can it be? Is this just all what some people call a legal fiction? That we could become blameless when we know how much we've done. How could it be that we could be adopted forever and no annulling? is that are those just words how can that be he's so holy we're so sinful it can be because he's not ignoring our sins he's not winking at our sins he's not uncaring of our sins he is dealing with our sins Rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us even when we were dead in our trespasses. But he did not love our trespasses. And because he loved us, he did not leave us in our trespasses. He says he made us alive out of our death in trespasses. By his son dying for them. Let this blessed assurance control that Christ has regarded our helpless estate and hath shed His own blood for my soul. For my soul. means at least two things. He shed His blood because our soul was so full of sin. So for our soul's sins, He shed His blood. But another thing, That that means is He shed His blood to buy our soul, to pay for our soul, to get that soul. This is why He says over and over again, chapter 1, verse 7, and then again when He's thinking about the same things in chapter 2, verse 7, He says the same thing. This is according to the riches of His grace and kindness. The Lord's kindness is defined by the embarrassment of riches that He spends to buy, to redeem, to purchase us. The blessing that Paul is reflecting upon in chapter 1, verse 7, is a father who is a father who is looking for children. And so he has a son and he wants more children and he goes to an orphanage because he can't have another son the way that he has his son. And so he goes into an orphanage and he sees very clearly all who are up for adoption. He sees the servants of an enemy. He sees that these were made in his image, and therefore, because he made them, we owe him allegiance. We owe him an answer for all the sins that we have willfully committed. And so we, he finds a people in this orphanage who owe him a debt that if he were to make us pay, we would never stop paying for all the sins that we've committed against his infinite worth. And he sees these children he nonetheless wants. And he sees the only way to pay for them. My son will pay me for them. My son is the only one who can pay me their infinite debt. My son will willingly pay for them. And the son gladly steps forward and he offers up his incalculably valuable blood. So that in chapter five, verse two, he says, walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. He gave his blood to God for us. On the cross, the son said, it is finished, payment in full. On, in the resurrection, the father says, yes, it is. He raised Jesus from the dead to redeem those souls he bled for. I shared this story um, just a few weeks ago in another sermon. It was just so good that I decided to share it again And I mean, I hope that this doesn't just keep happening. If it does, pray for me and maybe rebuke me. But I am going to share this story again. Uh, It's about Abraham Lincoln uh, going into the slave market. (coughs) There was a slave girl there that he was bidding on. And whenever Abraham Lincoln um, starts bidding to buy this girl to own her, she concludes that he must be like every other master she had ever been bought by and that he would abuse her and Abraham Lincoln. And you can you can put yourself in the orphanage, right? This is similar language of buying, but put yourself in the orphanage and you're only used to following a tyrant. And so you figure anyone who's going to own you is going to abuse you because Satan is like that and, and everyone in the world is like that and yet, and that's what this girl was thinking that if this one becomes my master he will abuse me and Lincoln won her and he looked at his property she was his property that he won and he said young lady you're free and she said what does that mean he said it means you're free she said, does that mean I can say whatever I want to say? And Lincoln answered, yes, my dear, you can say whatever you want to say. Does that mean, she said, I can be whatever I want to be? Her whole world is, is, is falling apart. All that she assumed about this master and being owned is falling apart. Can I be whatever I want to be? He said, yes, you can be whatever you want to be. Does that mean I can go where I want to go? Yes, you can go wherever you want to go. The girl through tears said, then I will go with you. This is what it means to be redeemed. This is what it means to be made free. This is what it means to be bought by the blood of the Lord Jesus. That we are so overwhelmed in how different he is as a master. That we have these wills that want him. We are purchased by him. And the thing that we want more than anything else because he shed his own blood for our souls is to be with him. And to do whatever he wants us to do. If you are someone who is not devoted to the Lord Jesus... All that you think about how people use authority, you may be dead wrong about when it comes to the Lord Jesus. He had all authority. And He came to use it in all of His righteousness and shed His blood so that He might buy sinners and free them to love him and he will love you will you give your life to the one who gave his life will you be forgiven of the trespasses of your sins and in that have a new lord turn from your sins and trust in christ and all who trust in christ have all of god's blessings fourth and finally the fourth blessing I want us to consider comes out of verses 11 through 14. That we are sealed with the Spirit. We are sealed with the Spirit. This is the fourth blessing. Hasn't named them all. This is enough. Uh, of every blessing that we have in Christ is that we are sealed with the Spirit. I've preached through Ephesians before. I struggled in verses 11 through 14 to understand what was going on. And, uh, you know, really respectable scholars kind of disagree about exactly what's going on. So all I can give you is what I'm understanding as I uh, seek the Lord's help in his word. But let's let's try to understand what, what, what it means to be sealed with the Spirit and how that's such a blessing. Not by going to first going to passages outside of Ephesians, but let's try to understand it in Ephesians. And I do think it is clear and it's glorious. Let's reread Ephesians 1, verse 11. In Christ we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to the purpose of Him who works all things according to the counsel of His will. in this paragraph two references to inheritance, two references to the praise of His glory. So you see that both sections 11 and 12 and 13 and 14 seem to be talking about the same thing. There's an inheritance that we've obtained in Christ that is going to be related to uh, this purpose in verse 12, (coughs) that we who were the first to hope in Christ might be to the praise of His glory and and that uh, that there is an agent who is bringing this about in verses 13 and 14. We are sealed at the moment of believing in Christ, just like we have every blessing in Christ. The moment we believe in Christ, we have every blessing in Christ. It's, he's in heaven. It is seated in heaven with Him. We are with Him. It's all secure in Him. So the moment we believe in Him, we have the Holy Spirit who is the guarantee of that inheritance, whatever it is. And again, it's to the praise of His glory. So I'm wrestling through. What is the inheritance? This final blessing, at least, that he lists in this section of blessings for why the saints turn and bless God, because he's blessed us with every blessing in Christ. The final blessing is that we are sealed with the Spirit, and somehow that is related to an inheritance that we will one day acquire, and yet also have a Obtained already. And it has to do with the praise of His glory. So, let's think. The blessing that we are sealed with the promised Holy Spirit. I start with this phrase and I think. Well, one, sealing has to do with security. It is a, a sealing until we acquire. A securing until we acquire The fullness of that inheritance, but it's with the promised Holy Spirit. So I want to think about what was promised about the Holy Spirit. That's the first place I would start. And I think about especially the new covenant, Jeremiah 31, that says that the Holy Spirit will come and you will know the Lord. That's the promise, is that the Spirit will come inside of every believer and then he will do his work of making you know the Lord and then if we look down in chapter one verse 17 Paul is praying for the spirit to be given to the people verse 18 that they might know him into verse 17 and then they might know certain things so it seems like we're on the right track we are This blessing is that we're sealed with a spirit who makes us know God. And we'll be sealed with that spirit who will be making us increasingly over time know more of God until we acquire possession of the inheritance. What is the inheritance? He says in verse 11, you've obtained an inheritance. But then He says in verse 14 that that inheritance that you've obtained, you don't possess yet. So it's as good as as yours. You've obtained it, but it's not fully in your possession yet. Some future inheritance. And then, because the Lord is... Enabled me to see more of Ephesians. I turn to chapter 4, verse 30. I try to get more understanding when he says, Do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God. Don't grieve him. He's He's inside of you and sealing you to do a certain work. And then he's described as the one who has, by whom you were sealed. Same word. Sealed, and again, for something in the future. The day of redemption. Maybe that's the inheritance. The day of redemption. We, we just talked about how He redeemed us through His blood. He's, again, already paid for us. But there is a day coming that where the fullness of redemption will be fully ours. It seems like what He's saying is... The Holy Spirit comes to seal you and over time is increasingly desiring and and teaching you who Christ is and causing you to know Him until a day that you will acquire the possession of your inheritance, which is the day of redemption, the fullness of that that moment whenever the, the former orphan, the former slave gets to actually be with. Then I will go with you. What we're headed to is a day of redemption when when what has been bought will be received in full, when what has been promised will be ours forever. Then we look back in chapter 1 and we see the same word inheritance right after our passage. It says in in verse 18, whenever Paul is praying that, that God would give the Spirit to believers, so that we would know God. Verse 18, what would we know? His glorious inheritance in the saints. Here, it's not our inheritance, it's His glorious inheritance. In other words, the inheritance is that God is inheriting a people that He has bought with the blood of the Lord Jesus. And one day He will receive those people in full. They will be holy and blameless finally. And He will inherit us. We have obtained an inheritance and He's ob- obtained an inheritance. And the Spirit has sealed us until we acquire possession of the fullness of what we have been promised, which is God Himself, this new Master, face to face forever and ever. We go with Him and get to live with Him in freedom from all of our sin and from all of our pain. Our inheritance is that He inherits us. Glory! Glory! That doesn't move you. I don't know what will. Can you believe? Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, that He has made us a blessing to Him. Blame worthy, become blameless, and then all of a sudden, God shows to the praise of His glory. He shows a people that will be. To the praise of His glory. We will have become something that will shine a light on how glorious the blood of Christ is and what He has done to us. Look at my children. Look at what they were in the orphanage. Look at who they are in Christ. Amen. Our inheritance is is that God inherits us it's just amazing he would buy orphans like this and they would he says this in verse 12 so that we who hope in Christ might be to the praise of his glory brothers and sisters this is your call this is our great call and our great hope is that we would be to the praise of His glory, that we would be something real that would draw attention to His beauty, His power, His might, and cause praise to Him forever and ever. So be blessed by living a life that blesses the Lord for what He did to you and what He's doing for you. All who trust in Christ have all His blessings. Heavenly Father, we come to You In thanksgiving for what you have done for us in Christ. We are amazed that you would want to inherit us. That you consider it a glorious inheritance to have saints who were slaves to sin. But because of the immeasurable great power of the blood and the resurrection of your son you make holy and blameless. Lord Jesus, we're amazed that you would shed your blood so that you might present the church to yourself in splendor, that we might be holy and without blemish. We've done nothing to earn this. We get all this blessing from you. Thank you. May you receive our praise. And we ask this in your name. Amen.